Good morning. This is Kevin Payne, pastor at First Baptist Church in Independence, Missouri. Welcome to our podcast. What you're about to hear is a portion of our worship services that began last Sunday morning at 1030. Every week we gather and sing praises to the living God and hear teachings from His Word found in Scripture. We hope you enjoy the message. If you'd like to hear more, there are more here on the podcast, or you could come and worship with us. Our Bible studies begin at 9 o'clock on Sunday mornings, and our worship begins at 10.30. We're located in Independence, Missouri, 500 West Truman Road. Why don't you come and worship with us? Would you pray with me, please? Heavenly Father, we thank you this morning for your presence. We worship you and you alone, Father, Creator God, Savior and Friend. We come proclaiming our faith in you and you alone. We are your people, Father, and you are our God. Be with us in worship. Hear our words of praise. Hear our prayers for help and sustenance and courage and strength. As always, Father, we need you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Good morning. It's good to see you in worship today.
Thank you, Nate and friends. Open your Bibles with me this morning, if you would, in your Old Testament, Ezekiel chapter 37. Ezekiel chapter 37. Isaiah, Jeremiah, Lamentations, Ezekiel chapter 37. Words of one of the great prophets. Looking at a very familiar passage for some of you. Ezekiel chapter 37, we'll be looking at verses 1 through 14 in just a moment. So keep your Bibles open, we'll be looking at the passage two or three different times. As always, we pray. Remember when you pray, you have an audience with God the Father. The old images of approaching the King... And you couldn't do that, except in this instance, we were given an audience with the King through Jesus. Heavenly Father, again we come before you in prayer, asking for your presence, asking that your spirit would move in our lives, asking, Father, that you would teach us from your word. Father, we need a word from you, a word of guidance, a word of comfort and encouragement, a word of strength and a word of hope. We each face challenges in this life. For some today, we struggle with issues of health and diagnoses and treatments. We know that others struggle to keep their families together, to keep food on the table. Some of us struggle just from one day to the next. Help us, Father. We pray that you would speak to us, that we would hear and that your Holy Spirit would move in our hearts. As always, Father, we come before you humbly. We ask for mercy and forgiveness. Lord, we're a sinful people. We're not bad folk, but we are sinful. We resist you. We distort your word. We give into our own desires. We choose our ways instead of yours. Lord, we ask for mercy and patience and forgiveness. We ask for the cleansing that only you can give. We ask, Father, for mercy. This morning we ask you would be with our people. We struggle. Help us. We pray for our nation's leaders that you would give them wisdom and guidance and restraint. We ask, Father, that this year in our election process you would work. Make your presence known. Make your will known. Father, we pray for leaders that will rise to the occasion to be godly leaders that would hear your word, that would follow your leadership. At the same time, Father, help us as people to, to gather, to stand together, to resist evil in all its forms, to stand for good, to insist upon good leadership. Give us courage and boldness to influence our leaders, Father. We pray for peace. We pray that you would be with our soldiers and first responders. Guide and direct them. Keep them safe. Comfort their families. Lord, help us. We turn on the news and we are terrified. We pray, Father, for wisdom in handling the coronavirus and all the tens of thousands that are suffering. Work as only you can. 
to provide healing and strength and wisdom. Help us, Father, to follow you in all things. Teach us now from your word. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Every night I watch the news and I am confronted by an endless litany of bad news. Have you ever noticed that? It's just all bad. And then occasionally, I guess they think they want to help us, so they'll show a good story where everybody wins or people are happy or something like that. And I'm confronted with that dichotomy that seems like life is either good or bad. There is either life or death. There's either happiness or misery. And I wonder if it really has to be that way. What we're going to do today is talk about how God can bring life into lifeless situations and hope into situations where there really is no hope. I've always been amazed at TV shows. I, I like those shoot 'em ups, you know, the cops and robbers shows that are so popular. I like them because they're simple. There are good guys and there are bad guys. The bad guys do the deed. That's the first scene, right? And then you have the 20 or 30 minutes in between the end when they all fight and look for the bad guy. And at the end, the bad guy gets a boot in the mouth or something like that, and he's in jail. I like that quick, easy answer, don't you? You know, I, I want to see Chuck Norris kick somebody in the mouth and end it. That, that was always the great part of that old show. And we want simple answers we want the bad guys to get theirs, and we want everybody to be happy and live happily ever after. And unfortunately, it's not that way, is it? In real life, sometimes the bad guys don't get theirs, and sometimes people don't live happily ever after. The couple in our video were just like that. Good, solid folk, Christians, trusting God, lost their son. And they struggled through that process. And still doing that, they learned to forgive. They learned to go on, but still carrying that burden of loss. So what we're going to do today is talk about how God can work in those situations. And I want you to know the truth of all these things is sometimes life is hard. And there aren't easy answers. And sometimes even for the best of people, for God's people who do everything right, sometimes there are things that come into life and there is no quick and easy fix. There's hope, and we're going to talk about that. But sometimes life can be very difficult, and we're forced to confront the reality of life on this earth. In the passage you're going to read in Ezekiel 37, God's people were there. They were in a miserable situation. No easy answers, and yet we're going to find out there was a reason for hope. Follow along with me, if you would. Ezekiel 37. I'll read verses 1 through 14. Kind of a long passage, but it's worth it. The hand of the Lord was upon me, and he brought me out by the Spirit of the Lord and set me down in the middle of the valley, and it was full of bones. And he caused me to pass among them round about, and behold, there were very many on the surface of the valley, and lo, they were very dry. And he said to me, Son of man, can these bones live? And I answered, O Lord God, you know. And again he said to me, prophesy over these bones and say to them, O dry bones, hear the word of the Lord. Thus says the Lord God to these bones, behold, I will cause breath to enter you that you may come to life. And I will put sinews on you, make flesh grow back on you, cover you with skin, and put breath in you that you may come alive. And you will know that I am the Lord. 
So I prophesied as I was commanded, and as I prophesied, there was a noise, and behold, a rattling, and the bones came together, bone to its bone. And I looked, and behold, sinews were on them, and flesh grew, and skin covered them, but there was no breath in them. Then he said to me, prophesy to the breath, prophesy, son of man, and say to the breath, thus says the Lord God, come from the four winds, O breath, and breathe on these slain, that they come to life. So I prophesied as he commanded me, and the breath came into them, and they came to life and stood on their feet, an exceedingly great army. Then he said to me, Son of man, these barns, bones are the whole house of Israel. Behold, they say, our bones are dried up, and our hope has perished. We are completely cut off. Therefore prophesy and say to them, Thus says the Lord God, Behold, I will open up your graves and cause you to come up out of your graves, my people, and I will bring you into the land of Israel. Then you will know that I am the Lord, which have opened your graves and caused you to come up out of your graves, my people. And I will put my spirit within you, and you will come to life, and I will place you on your own land. Then you will know that I, the Lord, have spoken and done it, declares the Lord. So there's a whole lot of things there. And I can't read this passage, I'll be honest. I can't read this passage without humming some of those old tunes about this. You know, some of you are smiling. You know the songs I'm talking about, two or three songs. And we're not going to sing them today. So try not to hum those during the sermon, okay? It might be distracting. But you can do that on your way home. But this is a great story. As far as we know, it's literal history. God was able to do this. But it spoke to a greater truth and on screen is one of those great truths and that is that idea that times of despair and hopelessness come to everybody I grew up pretty naive like most of us I just thought that everybody lived happily ever after I was unaware of everything I grew up I was strong I thought I was I thought I was pretty smart and I was protected by a big daddy and a, and a very strong mama and I had a pretty simple life I went to college went to grad school etc etc and I had a pretty easy life and then two daughters came along and it wasn't near as easy as I thought it should be but everything was good and then one day I remember my daughter had gone through the process of getting her driver's license I had two daughters one was 18, one was 16, and the 18-year-old finally got her license because I was tired of driving her around. She didn't want to drive. She really couldn't drive very good, but I insisted that she get her driver's license. So I bought her this little bitty old Subaru, and it was 10 years old at the time. It had 180,000 miles on it when I bought it, and it rattled, but it rolled, and all those kinds of things, she was thrilled. Anyway, one day I went outside and sent her off to school, and I watched, and she got into this little old rat trap of a car, and my other daughter climbed into the car with her, and they drove out of the driveway. And I remember thinking, and for a, a brief moment, there was that moment of clarity, and I was terrified. Because in that car, as it was, was almost everything that was of value to me. You know, my two daughters were more important than anything else I could possess, and I would do anything to save them. And I realized at that time, it was one of those brief moments of clarity that you get, when you realize that there is not a thing I could do to protect them. Somebody, a drunk driver, could have killed them. They could have driven off a ditch and turned over in a creek. You know, all those things happen. And I realized in that moment, and you know, it's one of those strange things where just for a moment I had all those imaginations of a scared daddy, and I realized there was not a thing I could do to protect them in life. I could not beat up every boy that chased them. Most of them were bigger than me. 
I could not beat up every teacher that was mean to them. I'd be in jail. You know, all those kinds of things and all that stuff went through with this daddy that was very protective of his daughters. And I realized they had to live their lives without me protecting them. And I was terrified for just a moment. As they pulled out of our long drive, I began to pray for them and developed this habit. And to this day, whenever my daughters leave my driveway, I pray for them until I can't see the car anymore. Pray for their safety, pray for God's blessing, and all those kinds of things. And it is literally the prayer of a terrified father because I know what can happen in this life. Anybody ever feel like that? We can't protect everybody. We want to. But we can't. So we have, we have to learn how to live with that. And we live with this idea that times of despair can come. Now, in our story, this is exactly what was happening. It was the worst case scenario. A little bit of history. You remember the nation of Israel. There was Moses coming out of Egypt. They were God's people. Took them through the wilderness. They were a powerful nation. Somewhere along the way, they decided into the northern and the southern kingdom. Israel and Judah. In 722, Assyria, a neighboring nation, came and destroyed the northern kingdom. Burned it to the ground. Took everybody away as slaves. Left the old people and the babies to die. A little over 150 years later, in 586, the Babylonians came and did the same thing to the southern kingdom, Judah. So we're talking Israel and Judah were the people of Israel. Israel was gone, the northern kingdom, and Judah fell. When Ezekiel was preaching his message, he was talking to those people from Judah. This was about five years or six years, we think, after the fall of, of the southern kingdom to Babylon. And they had literally burned the nation to the ground. That was the, the way things were. And they had killed the old and the sick and took everybody else into captivity. So they were slaves. So when Ezekiel was preaching this message. He was talking to slaves. Slaves in every sense of the word. They were owned by their masters. They did, they did what they were told. They couldn't do anything that they wanted to do. And they were just eking out an existence in Babylon. And that was their existence. So, so God inspired Ezekiel to talk about this story of the bones. And so there was this vision and whether it was actual history or just a dream doesn't really matter. I'm sure God could do whatever he chooses. But the vision was of the bones that were dried. So dried there's not any meat on the bones. That they're just bones. They're all in piles. No way could life come to those bones. And you know that. When you find bones, the animal is God. It's too late to save them. And that was the image of God's people. This is how they saw themselves. Later on in the passage, they... God, this is the way we are. We're just dry bones, and that's what they meant. They were totally hopeless. This is the picture, not just of the bones. This is how the people felt because it's hard for us to realize because we're wealthy and healthy and fed and live in a wonderful nation. Imagine this. There is no more government here. No Republicans, no Democrats. Might not be so bad so far. No Supreme Court. No police. No courthouses, no emergency services, no running water. Imagine everything destroyed and then you living in a foreign land as a slave. 
Just imagine, if you can, how demoralized and discouraged you would be. And that is where God's people found themselves. Now, interestingly enough, they were this way because they had been punished by God. They had been rejecting God's presence and worshiping other gods. And this was God's punishment to destroy their nation and take them into captivity. But here's the message. Regardless of their circumstances, God still loved them. God still wanted to give them a message of hope. And so he sent the prophet and said, all right, this is how you are, you're dry bones. But listen, I'm going to do something better. And so he began to talk about some of the things that God's going to happen. These are seasons of despair, and I'll go through these quickly. First of all, they happen to everybody. Rich people and poor people go through hard times. No matter how much money you have, no matter how much education you have, no matter whether you do everything right or not, sometimes in every life, the hard times are going to come. So if you think if you go to church and give an extra offering and pray to Jesus that everything's going to be fine, you're going to live happily ever after, you are deluding yourself. It's just not that way. Hard times come to everybody. We do things, people, other people do things, and, and hard times come. Sometimes hard times come because of circumstances beyond our control. A drug driver, a disease, if somebody does something stupid or evil. Sometimes we suffer because of our own actions. I've come to realize that God is very real in his punishment, but usually God doesn't have to do much to punish us. Have you ever noticed that? Usually what happens is God allows us to suffer the consequences of our actions. And that's punishment enough. Every one of us does this. We shoot our mouths off. There are infidelities. We say something stupid. We react in anger. And we suffer the consequences. And hard times come into our lives. And even good people do this. You know, I am continually amazed when I watch the news. And I see that our politicians are in trouble with the law. People that are good people, many of them are good moral people. Some are Christian, some are not. But regardless, we see these people, they come and they go and we realize that these good and bright people, some of our best supposedly, really aren't very good people at all, are they? And sometimes they end up going to prison and they do horrible things. And that's just life on this earth. The Hebrew people felt God's punishment and in that time of punishment and absolute despair he sent the prophet to bring hope the spirit of God can bring life and hope to the worst of situations every day I talk to daycare mamas and sometimes daycare workers and as a group, they're lower income for the most part and struggling. And they suffer severely from worthless man syndrome. And I hope I don't have to explain that. But, you know, they, they struggle. And a lot of them have got themselves into fixes, sometimes because of their own actions, sometimes because of the actions of others. And almost every day, one of them comes to me and they need help. You know what they need? Sometimes they need a little bit of money. Sometimes they need a car. Sometimes they need an apartment payment made. Sometimes they need medicine. But to a one, they are hopeless. Their jobs aren't very good. Usually two, three, or four little kids. 
and their lives looked pretty hopeless. And I think to myself, oh my gosh, I need to take these little girls to raise and I need to discipline them and train them and teach them and give them food and money and clothes and cars and do all those kinds of things. And I'm not being critical of them at all, but they are people who really and literally need everything. And they'll tell me, and they say these things. They just, I just can't see anything ever better than this. I, I, there's just no reason to hope. And they use that word hope. And I realize that sometimes my job and my best job in ministry to them isn't necessarily just to pay a bill. Yes, I'll do that. But sometimes they need more than that, don't they? They need to know that there is a God who loves them in spite of. They need to know that right now isn't your life. And I I find myself saying that phrase over and over. Right now isn't your life. And what I mean by that is, right now is just part of it. It isn't going to be like this. I said this to a mama just the other day. This isn't your entire life. It does get better. She was tired. Four kids under the age of six, dragging her rear and behind her, and you know the whole story. And I told her, this isn't your whole life. And she looked at me out of desperation and said, I hope so. People need hope. So Ezekiel came and told the story of the Valley of Dry Bones. The Valley of Dry Bones was a story of hope. Bones have no life within them. There is absolutely no way for life to be given to bones. And yet in the story, God pulled the bones together. You can imagine the rattling of the bones. And flesh began to grow on the bones. And the bones began to pull. And skin grew on the bones. And they stood up. And there was no life in them. And then he, God told the prophet, all right, you call the winds of the earth. And the breath of life, there's that creation from God. The breath of life was given to those piles of flesh. And they stood up strong and they were alive once again. The moment that happened was the moment that the people needed to hear. Listen, your life as it is right now isn't the end. No matter how difficult things are, no matter how unhappy you are right now, no matter how impossible your situation is right now, it's going to get better. God is working. Now listen to that. It's going to get better not because you're smart. It's going to get better not because you're Wonder Woman or Superman. You're, it's going to get better not because of governments. You're going to get better because God is working. You see, they had already realized that governments fail. Their government failed them. Foreign governments were the enemy. They had realized that all those structures that people tend to trust fail. Their money failed. The economic system had failed. A lot of these people were people of means. They had money. They were intelligent. They had skills. Everything is taken away. Their financial system was gone, which meant their money that they had in their hand was worthless. There was nothing they could do. And yet, God was here saying, listen, I'm going to do something here. And there is reason to hope. God can bring help to the hopeless. Look at that passage. Read this with me if you would. God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of a sound mind. Sometimes we are limited by our fear, aren't we? You know, we, we can't do anything. and we, we can't see anything. And we want someone to come in and fix it for us. 
And unfortunately, that's not the way things work. But God can help us. And God can give us courage and help us to stand up and see things better than they are and see beyond the current distress. And that comes from the way the Spirit of God works in us. In the story, the Spirit of God, the breath of life, came and gave those lifeless bones life. The Holy Spirit can work in your life when you talk to people that need help, when you talk to people that are struggling, when you look at yourself in the mirror and there is no hope. Remember this. God's Spirit can bring life and strength and courage even when there is nothing there. We have to remember that one of the things that God did in this story was he began to help them rebuild the nation. Now, this is the way it is. Another little bit of history here, and then I'll finish. Everybody was a slave. Ezekiel was talking to slaves. Forty years later, Babylon fell. Now, remember, Babylon was the world power when they conquered the southern kingdom. There was no other nation that could take them. But in the next 40 years... God rose up a guy named Cyrus the Great in Persia, you remember him. And he came in and he utterly destroyed Babylon. And you know what Cyrus the Great did? He released the Jewish people. He said, all right, you guys, go on home. I don't want to mess with you. Literally. And he let them go home. And then their preachers, Ezra and Nehemiah, went back and talked to Cyrus. He said, listen, we need to rebuild our nation but we don't have any money. And you know what Cyrus the Great did? This was the guy who destroyed Babylon. Wasn't a Christian. Wasn't a godly person. He said, listen, here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to pay for you to rebuild your walls. I'm going to help you rebuild your temple. So God used pagan peoples to bless his people. And it was impossible. No one did that. In those days, and you still don't hear this today, when dictators take over, they are never gracious and kind to their subjects. But that time, God brought life and hope to people who had no life and no hope. They had no reason to believe that Cyrus the Great was going to help them, and yet he did. One other idea. God has a purpose. Now read this passage with me. We know that God causes all things to work together for good to those who love God, to those who are called according to his purpose. The Hebrew people that were slaves in Babylon had forgotten the idea that they were the chosen people of God. I mean, they were slaves. There was nothing for them to do other than survive and then die. They got up at sunup, they worked till sundown, and then they died. And that was their life. God says, no, I have plans for you. And they couldn't see it. You know, they couldn't see centuries ahead. The prophets had given them the messages, but they forgot those. And when the prophets began to tell them that God was going to work, they didn't believe him. But you see, God was working to rebuild his people. So when Jesus came along, he came to the nation of Israel once again, a strong nation subjugated by Rome, but God worked through that historical situation that couldn't be done to give God's people a place of hope. Fast forward 2,000 years, what are we talking about? The way God works in history in impossible situations to bring life and hope. This is what our faith is all about. Loving a God who loves us. Trusting a God who is trustworthy. Allowing God to give us strength when we are weak. 
allowing God to give us hope when we are hopeless. Allowing God to work with victims and give them power over their situations and rebuild their lives. In the story of the dry bones, it's interesting the way the prophet tells the story. He doesn't just speak and the bones become living. You notice that? There's a step-by-step process. It took time, in other words. The message there is this. Wherever you are right now isn't your whole life. But you're not going to wake up tomorrow after a good prayer session and everything's going to be fine. It may take you weeks or months or years to rebuild your life. But that doesn't mean your life is over. So wherever you are right now, pray to God for help and strength. When you talk to people who are struggling, let them know, listen, this is your season of struggle. But there are better times ahead. Do what you can. Develop your skills. Grit your teeth. Save your money. Work hard. Live life according to God's teachings. And eventually, God's going to bring you back to life. God gave life to those bones, but it took a long process. God gave life to the Hebrew people, but it took a long process. And God is with each one of us, regardless of where we are. And as we trust him, that process is put to work in our lives. And sometimes hope comes quickly, and sometimes hope is just something we hang on to for years. But God always blesses us and helps us to rebuild our lives. It's a very simple idea. What is right now in our life is not all there is. Regardless of your circumstances, God loves us, provides us a reason for hope. You are going to encounter people who have no hope. Suicide rates are up all over the world. You know that, even in America. And people live with this idea that there's no reason to go on. One of the most powerful messages you can give anyone is God loves you. And he has a purpose for your life. And he can help you rebuild. Trust him and follow him in faith. Share that message with others. Share it with yourself. Make sure your children and grandchildren know it. Every day we're going to encounter people that are struggling. Let them know that there is a reason for hope. Why don't you come and stand with me as Nate leads us in a closing hymn of invitation. Of one dark blot to thee. 
Thank you, Nate. Mike's going to come and lead us in a closing prayer. Remember that God gives each of us hope when we trust him and just believe that he's going to work. Mike? Dear Father, we ask you to be with us now as we go. Keep and protect us from harm. And Father, help us this week to do good for someone else and help us to do it in your son Jesus' name. Amen.